I believe that tonight is a divine night. I am so happy to be here with you. I appreciate the warm welcome. It is way too kind, but let's not play any more games. Let's get down to it. Can we do that? Awesome. Hey, listen, if you would in the back, if somebody could put my time up there because I've got something inside of me and I'm liable to go for seven hours, son. I ain't even lying. Second Chronicles chapter 14. If you're taking notes, you can title this sermon, What Now? What Now? Second Chronicles chapter 14. Uh, just the other day, my wife and I, um, we were out at the lake with some of our very best friends, and we're having a vacation, and, and um, we had this boat out there, and we had this inner tube, and, and there's something you need to know about me. I, I hate to lose. No, 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 you don't understand. I hate to lose, David Salinas. You know what I'm talking about? You know, I mean, I will almost cheat at dominoes to keep from losing. I ain't even going to lie. Anybody with me? Anybody in here hate to lose like I hate to lose? Y'all need to get saved because losing is for sissies and stuff. I don't want, to, I don't want no part of that. I, I, God said I was victorious in Christ. I don't want to lose. Come on, somebody. Well, so we were out on this inner tube. My wife and I had this thing, and I hate to lose, but I hate to lose to her even more. She's a wonderful woman, but, man, I hate to lose to her. And, and we get on this inner tube, and, and we like to have these little competitions, and, and we'll make little bets. And I say, listen, I, I tell you what, if you win, I'll buy those pair of shoes that you were going to buy anyway, but whatever. And if I win, you let me kiss on you for like 10 minutes. Come on, somebody. And other stuff. Uh-huh. And we like to have little competitions, you know. We like to have fun. And, and she said, okay, we get on this too. I said, the first one off loses. This is for the bragging rights right here, right now. First one off loses, and, and, and the other is the winner. She said, let's go. And we got on this tube, and I, and I noticed I was focused up where we were going. I was focused on the boat, and I wasn't paying attention to where I was at. And this little round tube, and I, I, we got started, and I noticed I had, I had no room. I'm not a big guy. I was just a little skinny guy, a little thing. I didn't, but I had no room, and she had, she had wallowed her way. And if I want her to know I said that, I'll tell her myself. She had wallowed all the way and taken up all the room on, I mean, way up over in my side. And she had positioned herself. Somebody say positioned. She had positioned herself in such a way that she had all the leverage. She is a smart woman. She married me. You know what I'm saying? Come on, somebody. Now you can tell her I said that. And so she has positioned herself with all the leverage, and we get started, and it doesn't take very long before I have been slung off of this tube, and I have lost to my wife. Cost me an expensive pair of shoes, you know what I'm saying? And I was like, man, how did she beat me? I know I'm stronger than her. I know that I'm smarter than her. Or kind of well, maybe. But I know, I know I'm stronger than her. But then I realized that she had positioned herself in such a way. Today, you need to understand that in life, if you fail to position yourself, you will, fail to, uh, you will begin to fail at everything you do. Life is about positioning yourself. I didn't say having a position. We so often confuse the two. We think that we need a position to be doing something for God. When all along the time, God is trying to get us to position ourselves to receive from God so that we can be what God has called us to be. It's a matter of positioning, 2 Chronicles chapter 14. One of my favorite stories in the Bible. 
Second Chronicles chapter 14, starting in verse 2. I'm going to read, I'm going to read eight scriptures to you. Asa, verse 2 said, Asa did what was good and right in the eyes of the Lord his God. Verse 4, he commanded Judah to seek the Lord God of their fathers and to observe the law and the commandment. He also removed the high places and the incense altars from the cities of Judah, and the kingdom was quiet under him. And he built fortified cities in Judah, for the land had rest. He had no war in those years because the Lord had given him rest. Verse 9. Then Zerah the Ethiopian came out against them with an army of a million men and 300 chariots, and he came to Merishah. So Asa went out against him, and they set the troops in battle array in the valley of Zephathath at Merishah. And Asa cried out to the Lord his God and said, Lord, it is nothing for you to help, whether with many or with those who have no power. Help us, O Lord, for we rest on you, and in your name we go against this multitude, O Lord. You are our God. Do not let man prevail against you. Father, we thank you that tonight is a divine night. God, I believe that tonight there is going to be a transformation of understanding that will cause your people to begin to position themselves in such a way that they will, failure will no longer be an option. Father, we understand that things happen in life. Life is not perfect, but we also understand that you have not left us nor forsaken us and that you are working on our behalf. So, dear God in heaven, I thank you that for revelation to inspire inside of our very beings so that we may understand who you are, that we may better understand who we are called to be, and that we may accomplish all that God has called us to accomplish. In Jesus' mighty name. And everybody said, Amen. What now? It, we, we, we so often get into this place of, of positioning where we think that, you know, it, we may be in that moment where life is going grand. We may find ourselves in that moment where everything is going well. It's, you're having a good time. You're getting promotions. You're getting raises. You're doing the things that you love to do. Family is going well. Everything is fantastic. But the problem often arises in that moment. See, and then this is where this bad doctrine that God causes things to come to try to correct you and, and call you, cause you to love him and call out for him, cry out to him. And that is an unfortunate doctrine that has infiltrated the church, of, that has infiltrated the church and we have bought into so often. Now, I know nobody in this church because y'all have a good preacher, one of, the, one of the, my best friends, and one of the most amazing preachers that I've ever heard, Pastor Eric, come on, somebody. So I know this is, all, this is nothing new to you, but bear with me for just a moment. Because I have found that in my life, even sitting under good preaching, I find that life has a way of throwing me a curve. King Asa is sitting there, and he's, he's done everything right. He's, he's, he's eliminated the, the, the sins of the land. He is caused all the incense altars to be torn down, the high places to be removed, because he says, you know what, if we will look unto God, our land will be at peace. And that's what happened. Like many of you, you get saved and you start getting your life right, and then things start going and getting all normal and wonderful, and, you know, you start tithing and your finances get better, your life gets better, you start seeing God do miracles and wonderful things, and everything is going grand. But what do you do at that moment, I was in that very position many years ago. 
I was serving at this very church. I was uh, helping Pastor John Holler. I had been with him. That's when I met Brandon and I met uh, David Salinas and Derek and all these guys. And, and everything was going well. Everything was going good. We were busy. We were doing the work of God. Things were happening. Things were shaking. But then the moment happened. That moment when it seemed like everything went to spinning out of control. When things went to going all awry, when everything seemed to, that was so nicely placed in order, we had our plan, we had our vision, we were going with God, everything was wonderful, and all of a sudden, out of nowhere, life turned upside down. That's what happened right here with Asa. He's sitting there one day, and he's having breakfast. He's just sitting there one day, I believe he's probably having, having uh, some chorizo. Come on, my Hispanic friend, though you don't speak Spanish. Hey, he's probably having some eggs and some salsa. I figured he liked it hot. He probably had some peppers with his, uh, with his dates, right, Pastor Brandon? Something like that. Come on, maybe. And he's just having breakfast. Maybe his orange juice with the heavy pulp. Come on, can I get an uh-huh on that one? And then, and then it happens. Then that moment happens. That moment when you say, what now? He's sitting there having breakfast, and all of a sudden, out of nowhere, this young man comes running into the room, and he's out of breath. He's, he can't catch his breath. He's breathing. He's trying to talk, but he can't catch his breath. He's been running and running and running. He's finally arrived at the King Asa, and here he comes pouring in, and Asa says, everything is wonderful. Everything is grand, but this young man is out of breath, and he finally calms him down enough. He says, son, have some Gatorade. Have some vitamin water. Relax yourself. Breathe through your nose and out your mouth. Come on, a little Lamaze with us. Huh? Come on, somebody. And he's sitting there, and he finally calms him down enough. He says, what is the problem? And that's when he gets the report. It, of all the armies ever mentioned in the Bible, of all the years that the Bible covers, and of all the wars and all the armies and all the fights and all the stuff that happens this is the largest mentioned army in the Bible. It says that a million men, a million fighting soldiers has now fallen down onto the little country of Israel. It's the largest mentioned army. Sometimes when you think everything is going so smoothly and then all of a sudden it happens and it seems so overwhelming that you can hardly even See yourself on the other side. A million fighting soldiers, two to one, were the odds. He says they have, they have come, and Asa makes this very powerful statement. I don't know what I would do. I, think, I try to think that I would be a man of God, and I would say, you know what we're going to do? We're going to do the right thing. We're going, to do, we're going to call upon our God. I don't know what I would do. I think my first instinct would be like, ah, I ain't lying. I just have to be honest. I would be a little scared. Anybody with me? And Asa does this most powerful thing. He says, put the troops in battle array. Put the troops out on battle formation. Wait a minute, Asa, you realize that this army is so substantial that they are going to run us through. Listen, we need to get a game plan. We need to, get a, we need to figure out a way to come in from behind. We need to figure out a way to circumvent the process. We need to figure out another plan or another process. And he says, no, 
put them out in battle formation. There are times in your life when you have to determine right where you stand. The battle may seem so overwhelming. It may seem so substantial that you can't see your way through it, but you must determine in your heart that you will stand before your enemies. See, we have become a society that wants to run around our enemies. We want to jump over them and go through them. We want to trick them. But God has called us to stand strong. And Asa says, put yourself in battle array. Doesn't even go to God, Pastor Brandon. I don't understand yet. First thing, he says, go get in battle formation. What is wrong with that guy? I believe he understood something. He understood that God did not get them to this point to forsake them now. God didn't bring them up from where they were to forget about them now. God didn't call you out of your uh, sin to get you here now and to forget about you. He didn't call you up out of your mess, take you up out of the miry clay and set your feet on solid ground to forget about you now. This is not God's for, uh, former plan. He doesn't get you up to knock you back down. He doesn't pull you up out of the mess to push you back down. That is not how God does it. See, God is a God of movement, forward movement. He's always moving forward. And the moment you stop, you have missed God. He says, get in battle formation. And then he calls for God. I wish we could understand when Paul the Apostle, as he's pinning the, the great book of uh, Ephesians to the church in Ephesus, a church that dealt with, with idolatry. They dealt with, they dealt with Diana, the, the sex god. They dealt with uh, 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 perversion. They dealt with all manner of things. And he writes in Ephesians chapter 6, put on the full armor of God. Put on the full armor of God. Because if you're going to be a Christian today, you better be prepared to go to battle for what he has called you to. There is no bystanders. There is no watchers. There is nobody sitting on the sideline. There is nobody that has that opportunity to just sit back and wait. There is not a one-day season, but it's now. If you're going to be a Christian, you're going to have to stand up and be the person that God has called you to be. And you're going to find at times that the enemy who comes about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour, will be standing right in front of you. And if you're going to succeed, it's time to stand up. 